This is episode 17 of Extraordinary Women Radio. Welcome to Extraordinary Women Radio. I am your host, Cami Gelman. Women are being called to live with voice, vitality, and vigor. Each month, join me for wisdom-filled interviews with extraordinary women living out loud and making a difference in our world. Their stories will uplift, inspire, and spark your own purpose-driven journey. Hello, my extraordinary women friends. Today's guest, Cheryl Ilog, calls herself a movement artist. Cheryl is the author of the book, Forever Fit and Flexible, Feeling Fabulous at 50 and Beyond. Her story is so familiar to so many of us. You know, I turned 54 this year, and I know that I have become so much more tuned into what I put into my body and how I move my body. And I get a lot of exercise just because I have a barn full of horses, so I need to be out taking care of horses, and that does get me moving my body on a regular basis. I'm lifting things. I'm always pushing things. That is just part of my daily activity. But what I was finding was that it wasn't enough, just the the outdoor being with the horses side of things. And that's why I took up yoga last year. And yoga has been such an incredible addition to my life. It, It helps me feel better physically and mentally. And I move much more with much more flexibility. It's just a beautiful thing for me to be doing. And I walk a lot. And if I start to get really busy and skip my yoga or skip my walking, I start to really notice it in my body. And Cheryl's story is something very similar where she, when she was a young girl, she was the skinny one that who, who could eat anything. And I so can relate to that. There was a time in my life where I could just eat anything. But she was such this, the skinniest girl of all of them. And in fact, her older sister often worried about her blowing away in the wind. She tells that story in her book. As she hit her college years, she put on 15 plus pounds, you know, as so many young girls do as they hit the dorm food. And as she got into her 40s, she really started to notice that she was stiff and she was having a lot of chronic pain. And one of her friends actually gave her some advice and said, you know, you're just getting older. Just accept it. Just know that, you know, you're going to keep getting stiffer and older and it's not going to, your body doesn't work the same way it did when you were 20. And she refused to accept this advice. So the story in her book is all about her going through this journey and what she did to get back her fit and flexible self so that she feels really fabulous and she looks great. She and I shared the panel of a book panel that we were both speaking on a few weeks ago. And she teaches women to change the trajectory that they find themselves on with their bodies as we get older. And she believes we can engage in any activity that with strength and grace and confidence. So whether you want to be a runner, whether you want to be playing basketball, whether you want to be a ballet Um, any of these different areas can really, you can do these as you grow older if you're building from a very core perspective. Her movement lessons provide the building blocks to provide better posture and core strength and flexibility and balance and functional strength. This foundation really helps eliminate chronic pain and improve injury-related mobility issues. And she helps her clients experience increased energy, something I'm sure we all want. So Cheryl's going to be telling her story today, and she's going to give you some tips on what you can be doing so that you can feel fit and flexible in your life. 
Let's meet Cheryl. Hi, Cheryl. It's great to have you on board with us today. Welcome. Hi, Cami. Thank you so much for having me. It is an honor and a pleasure to be talking to you this afternoon. Oh, absolutely. And so you call yourself a movement artist, not a physical therapist. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you mean? Yes, I would love to. It's actually part of my own personal transition uh, from moving from a place of having a lot of injuries, chronic pain, struggling with my weight and my fitness, and realizing that traditional exercise and even traditional physical therapy really wasn't quite cutting it for me. And it didn't seem to be sufficient to help a lot of my clients and my patients go to the next step and completely heal from their injuries to be able to do the things, the activities that they love to do and want to do with strength, grace, and confidence. Because we never really have to be immobilized, especially from pain or uh, joints that don't function, you know, quite the way that they can. Right. So the movement arts, it's basically, I have had quite a bit of experience in several of the movement arts, which I refer to the specific ones are Pilates, Mm -hmm. which pretty much everybody's heard of Pilates. Oh, sure, sure. Right. I've had some great Pilates um, sessions over the years. They're, they're really great for that core, right? Oh, Pilates is wonderful, not only for the core, but it really strengthens and lengthens your spine as you're doing the, the exercises. Mm-hmm. It's, it's also a way of body sculpting. Okay. Okay. So you're really shaping your muscles as well as strengthening them. Okay. So you're, you're giving those muscles some some real solidness to them. A solid base of support, basically from the inside out. Because in traditional exercise, we have a tendency to really work the outer muscles, the big muscles. Mm -hmm. And as we do our traditional exercise, which is fine, it's, it's great, but the big muscles get bigger and stronger and bulkier. And the smaller, what we call intrinsic muscles, which are already weak to begin with, get weaker and weaker. Okay. So that's where we get a lot of muscle imbalances in not only traditional exercise, but in sports and dance and other types of activities. And, and what are, so there's, there's um, Pilates, and then what are some of the other ones that you, um, forms that you practice in? Um, the other one is Feldenkrais. Mm-hmm. And, and tell our audience what that is. Feldenkrais is a highly sophisticated form of neuromuscular re-education. And it's based on the scientific principle of neuroplasticity, which simply means that our bodies, our brains, our nervous system is constantly able to learn new things and change during the entire course of our lifetime. And so we don't have to, if, if our muscle has kind of forgotten how to move, what you're tapping into there is the ability for that to be reactivated. Absolutely. And to what we call repattern. Okay. And, you know, it, it sounds like a no-brainer, so to speak, but even when I was in physical therapy school, which was 20, 22 years ago, we were taught that this magic, you know, this miracle of nature, this neuroplasticity did not exist past the age of 14. Oh, interesting. Isn't that fascinating? That's totally fascinating. 
And, you know, the field of neuroscience has made incredible gains in the past 20 years. So now we know and we understand that this neuroplasticity exists during the course of our entire lifetime. Even if we're afflicted with uh, a neurological injury or, or, or illness, we can still have ways to tap into our nervous system to have new patterns, new pathways, new synaptic connections. Right connect. So it's wonderful. And what's so fascinating is that Feldenkrais is not a new form of movement therapy or a new movement modality. Moshe Feldenkrais was born in, let me see, when was it? The 1900. Okay. And died in 1984. So he began developing his method probably in the 1920s, 1930s. But it was much longer after that that it's it started to show up in a in a bigger way. It did, as far as the neuroplasticity. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, that was much much later. So just like Joseph Pilates, Moshe Feldenkrais was years ahead of his time, and he okay. inherently understood that our nervous system was incredibly inherently flexible and malleable and able to learn new things. So tell us how you came about discovering all these. Tell us a little bit about your story. I've been reading your book even this morning and um, it really enjoying the the journey that you went through um, that, you know, just the story of you always being that young girl who could eat anything and your sister <laughs> worried that you were going to blow away and, you know, those sorts of things. But the, over the course of your lifetime, things started to shift like they do for so many of us, right? Right. So tell us your story. Well, okay, so you read part of the story. There I was, fit, flexible, could eat anything, you know, and uh, never had to worry about my weight or my fitness the way other people did. And then, of course, when I started college, uh, Mm -hmm. the freshman 15 just quickly, you know, found me. Mm -hmm. And it was a little bit of a shock. And, you know, you're in college. All you do is you sit and you study and you eat bad food. And, you know, I didn't know what to do about it, but I figured I'll worry about it later. Mm -hmm. And when I was in college, one of my cousins, who I dearly loved, had kept bugging me to go to ballet class with her. And I thought, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Why would I want to try (laughs) ballet? (laughs) I mean, think about it, really. Yeah. So, so it, and, wasn't, it wasn't even speaking to you at the time. It did not speak at all. Well, it did speak. And it said, oh, for heaven's sake, just, you know, tell her to go away. Well, one Saturday morning, she showed up at my dorm room with an extra pair of leotard and tights and said, you're going. And I thought, well, I finally met somebody who's more stubborn than I am. So I went. And believe it or not, I loved it. Okay. Isn't that fun though? How how it really showed up for you as in this, and now it's such an important part of your journey. Is that you were resisting it, resisting it, and then your cousin was like that catalyst that said, "Nope, we're going." Well, that's pretty much my mo. I resist almost everything, but I'm learning to mm-hmm. you know, be a little bit more receptive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but don't that we was all kind right? Of like, yeah. Well, right. it's easy. You know, the fear of the unknown. I don't want to make a fool out of myself. And why am I going to go to a ballet class with all these you know ballerinas? And it was an adult <laughs> class, and it was just tremendous fun. And that kind of started to this day. I still take ballet classes. As a matter that's of fact, cool. that's where I was this morning. 
Okay. Very, very cool. And I'm I'm just laughing because I think if somebody said to me right now, you should go take a ballet class, I think I'd probably have the same response. So there you go. Maybe I should consider that. But I would be there to hold your hand and guide you through everything and tell you, you can do it Mm -hmm. because you can. Mm -hmm. So, and it's, it's really fun. And perhaps ballet wouldn't be the the dance form for you, but dance right. is just an incredible, you know, healing and powerful way of expressing yourself as well as keeping yourself physically active, healthy, and fit. It's also, again, going back to the brain, they've um, had studies recently showing that the most effective form of exercise for brain function is some sort of dance. Oh, interesting. Really, yeah. really interesting. And, and, so, and, so often as adults, we're not, we don't make time for dancing in our lives. You're absolutely right. We don't make time for play. Mm-hmm. And that's when yes. we get into trouble because, you know, once we get to a certain part in our life that, you know, when we were little, that's all we did was play. And we were right. encouraged to do that. Right. No applause, applause, applause. Everything we do was wonderful. And then we end up in school where you have to sit a lot more. We still had play time, but then it was structured. And as you go through the grades, it was as if your playtime was decreased as your sitting and study time increased. Right? You know, yeah, so, so, so true. And even I, I do retreats with horses. So I have equine oh, vision yes. journeys. And when I do my retreats, you would be amazed at how many times people want to get down in the dirt and they, they'll come in and they'll say, you know, I just want to get down in the dirt and play. Yes. And they have this. And I'm like, well, then please do it because- yes. That is just a theme that consistently comes up with my clients in those retreats because we don't play. We don't make space for play. And we don't, sometimes I think that we don't give ourselves permission to play and to get down in the dirt and get dirty. And when you do, it's just, it's almost like the years just fall away and you feel more youthful. You feel more vibrant and play is an important part of life. And we forget yes. that even at a young age, because yes. it's not, it's not valued as much as hard work. Right. right. And how could exactly. you work effectively if you can't play effectively? Oh, I so agree. I yeah. so agree. So you found yourself in this place where you started to um, learn ballet and started to experience ballet. And it, was it a form of play to you when you first started? It definitely was. And, you know, the more advanced you get, sometimes the less playful it seems. But uh, after I began taking my ballet classes, and, you know, that got me through the rest of college. And then I moved out to Denver uh, right after I graduated college. And when I did that, that's when I discovered Pilates. And people think that Pilates is another, like, new form of exercise. And that's not true either. Mm -hmm. Uh, Joseph Pilates developed his method in the early 1900s and he immigrated to the United States in 1920 and opened up his studio in Manhattan. And, you know, it was just one studio and he did not teach like the large classes the way we see a lot of times now in some of the big Pilates studios or even in some of the gyms. He only worked with people one-on-one so he could truly impact their bodies and how to change and how to find new ways of moving and strength. And for many years, he was the best kept secret among professional dancers and performing artists. Okay. Interesting. Really mm-hmm. interesting. So he was the, the one that was helping some of the performers really build that inner, that smaller muscle strength. 
Exactly, those intrinsic muscles, which those are the ones that really support us. You know, we look from the outside in, we want to see those sleek, you know, um, those, what, six-pack, you know, washboard abs or those sleek mm-hmm. muscles. Mm-hmm. But when you have the muscular strength from inside, then it just does kind of expand into the outer muscles. And you have a, a base of support that you can rely on no matter what. Right. Right. So you started to discover these new ways of, of exercising, of moving. What happened in your life? What, how, you think, how have things changed? Well, interestingly enough, I was not a physical therapist at the time. I was a respiratory therapist. That's what I went to college for. Okay. And so I really, you know, I knew a lot about the thoracic area, the chest and the lungs, and, but I didn't know that much really about about anatomy, you know, the, the total body anatomy. And I was always drawn to like that physical therapy um, aspect. And I had decided actually to go to physical therapy school. So at the time when I moved to Denver, I was taking ballet class several times a week, probably at least three to four times a week, and Pilates class one day a week. Wow. So I, yeah, I figured, hey, I was set for life. I was in my early 20s. I was fit and flexible, and I was never going to have a problem. I was mm-hmm. set for life. Well, that started falling apart. Oh, no. <laughs> and uh, my downhill spiral started at the tender young age of 35. Okay. And I think what precipitated it, I started to get just feel like discomfort and tightness in my low back. So I did the logical thing. I ignored it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you kept doing the things that you were doing in Pilates and ballet. Absolutely. But mm-hmm. here's the little, here's the caveat. This is the problem. At the time, and of course I didn't know it then, but I do now, I was taking prerequisites to get into physical therapy school because even though I had a medical background, I had to go back and take more classes, upper level science classes, you know, more neuroscience, that type of thing. So something had to give in my schedule. So instead of going to ballet class four days a week and Pilates once, I had to eliminate Pilates completely. And I cut drastically down on my ballet schedule. And I sat a lot Uh, to study. Okay. And and, in your book, I read this morning that you say you call sitting evil. And so many of us, right? So many of us sit all day long. And I am certainly guilty. I've got, you know, I am, I've got, I have a chair that I'm in most, most of my day, most of my awaking day. So talk a little bit about that, the, the evil of sitting. Well, the first thing I'm going to say about it is take away the guilt. Mm, so good. that's just for, yeah, for you and for your listeners out there who are thinking, well, I'm sitting right now. It's okay to sit. But when you are sitting, there are certain things that you can do. Uh, And as I said, sitting is evil Mm -hmm. because our bodies are meant to move and they are made to move. And we crave movement, just like, as you said, your clients in the equine therapy classes, they want to get down and play in the dirt. Right, right. So sitting, even though sometimes we think, oh, well, we really need this rest. What your body really needs is that balance between rest and moving. Mm-hmm. And then we start thinking about moving. It's like, oh my gosh, I got to go to the gym and or I got to go for a run. And as far as I'm concerned, you know, 
I don't run. I'm allergic to running and going to a gym. Just the thought of it makes me break out in hives. <laughs> it's not fun for me. Right. So it's not uh, my thing either. I, I much prefer a yoga studio. There you go. And that's it. You have to find what you love because life is too short to do things that you think you're supposed to do because it's quote unquote good for you. Right. Right. So what does your soul tell you to do? What does your spirit tell you to do? So back to the problem of sitting, a couple of things that you can do as you sit is to keep adjusting yourself in your chair several times, you know, just kind of wiggle. Right. Do, do what we used to get in trouble for when we were kids. Fidget. You know, I've got a, 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 I don't know what they're even called, but it's a, it's a little cushion. It's a little blow up cushion that I sit in that my chiropractor actually gave me yes. that has that, that forward and sideways. It's almost like sitting on a ball, uh -huh. um, but it's, it's sitting on your chair and that's, that's proven to be really useful for me. That is wonderful. That's great. And that's exactly what that does. That shifts your weight. So when we think of shifting our weight, we think of shifting it on our bottoms. Mm -hmm. But when you shift your weight, that's going all the way up and down the kinetic chain, all the way mm -hmm. up and down like your spine and even into your hips, your lower legs, and even into your feet. Mm -hmm. And so that was my next bit of advice was get a ball. Okay. okay. And just kind of um, alternate between sitting at your desk and sitting at your desk chair to sitting on your ball just for five minutes at a time. Please don't sit on it for much longer than that because if you're not used to it, you're gonna be really sore the next day. Okay, good, good advice. Well, and the magic of a ball, mm -hmm. just sitting on the ball for a couple of minutes is going to help you improve your posture. It gets, it trains your balance. It wakens up your nervous system and it starts to get those intrinsic core muscles that I was talking about okay. just by sitting. Okay. So, and then of course, just drink a lot of water. So you have to get up and go to the bathroom often, you know, right. so just little things that you can do. Okay. So, so let's just, go back to your story. So as you okay. started to feel that, you know, things weren't working for you because you were sitting more often, right. you were studying. What did you do? How did you, what, what came from that? Well, as I said, I ignored it. <laughs> and it got a lot worse. Mm -hmm. So I tried to manage it myself. I was starting to get really sharp shooting pains. So I tried to manage it with hot packs mm -hmm. and stretching. And that worked about as well as ignoring the problem. Okay. Before I knew it, I had pain shooting across my back, into my hip, my buttocks, and all the way down my leg. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was a chronic pain patient. Okay. And for two and a half years, I lived the nightmare of being a chronic pain patient. And I went to, instead of going to ballet and Pilates, I went to doctor's appointments, massage therapists, physical therapists, chiropractors. I was on pain meds, anti-inflammatories uh, anti and muscle relaxers. I was miserable. Mm -hmm. And everything, I, nothing helped, nothing was working. And it, I just seemed to be getting worse. And you had a friend at that time tell you, oh, you're just getting older. Just accept it, right? No, that was after. That was, pro that was probably two or three years later. Okay. Okay. So yeah. that comes along, I'm, though. It, it comes along. So finally, uh, one, you know, I'm going to all these experts and I'm getting worse. And one expert actually told me that the arthritis in my spine was so severe 
that I would never be able to do my grocery shopping and my laundry all in the same day oh because my. I would end up being bedridden. Can you believe that? Wow. Wow. And, and you even, certainly aren't that way today. I know this for a fact. So <laughs> yes, thank you. No, so that's there's, not me. there's brightness on the other side of all of this. <laughs> yes, there is. Uh, there's brightness and there's enlightenment and certainly learning experience for me. So finally, I just looked at this woman and I says, you don't understand. She even suggested that I start looking to get onto disability. And I was in my mid thirties. Okay. And I said, you don't understand. I'm planning on going back to ballet class. Mm -hmm. And she actually laughed in my face. Oh, wow. And said, you're not 18 anymore. Okay. And that's when I decided, I mean, I hit rock bottom. And I said to myself, I said, self, you've got to find a way out of this yourself. So I did. I stopped taking the medications. I stopped going to my appointments. And I went back to doing my own Pilates exercises by myself. And I would start listening to my body because if I had been listening to my body a little bit better, well, a lot better, my body was definitely sending me messages and signals that it was not happy. But I just did what a lot of us do, put my head down and just plowed on through it. Right. So right. it was time for me to take charge. So it was a long, long road to recovery. But I kept doing that every day, listening to myself and taking my time and going very slowly which basically I didn't know it at the time was what we do in Feldenkrais. And eventually I was getting stronger. My pain levels went down. Eventually was able to go back to ballet class just 20 minutes at a time. But I, I recovered completely from the back injury, although I recovered from the pain aspect. But before I could get into any kind of shape, that's when I went, I got accepted into physical therapy school at, at uh, CU Health Sciences Center. Okay. Okay. And that was, that was wonderful. But that meant in PT school, I was going to be sitting in class eight hours a day, five days a week for two years, nonstop and spending all my evenings and weekends studying. Okay. So then did you go backwards again then? You know, I really, I was able to, I was smart enough to listen to my back. So even though my back would get stiff and it would start to give me signals, it was not happy. I would get down on the floor. I would do my Pilates exercises. So I was able to keep it at bay. Mm -hmm. However, when I graduated from physical therapy school, it, I was three months shy of my 40th birthday and in the worst shape of my life. Mm -hmm. Because for four years, I was pretty much immobilized. Right. between the injury and PT school. So that's when I just, okay, I was going to try and get myself back into shape and do exactly what I did before and go to ballet and Pilates. And that just didn't work out so well for me. Okay. So what'd you do differently then? Well, I, I injured myself a few times first before I got that smack across the head. Oh, I've got to try something different. Mm -hmm. uh, because when I did go back to ballet class, just getting into my leotard and tights was a workout. Right. And I almost hurt myself just getting dressed. <laughs> <laughs> that should have been a wake up call, but it wasn't. Mm -hmm. So I just kept trying harder and harder to get back into shape. And I ended up with hip pain, a strained calf muscle. I even tore an arm muscle in ballet uh -huh. class, which is, okay. yeah, that's, that's how bad it was. But I figured, you know what, this is so embarrassing as a dancer and a physical therapist. I couldn't get myself back into shape. So I turned to my colleagues other physical therapists. Mm -hmm. Perfect, right? Right, exactly. 
you know, you're in the perfect profession. So you think, right? Well, I thought, yeah, <laughs> I was wrong. I had one guy who took me on as his personal project. Uh, he was a young man. He was so sweet. And he was a personal trainer as well as a physical therapist. So he says, this is what you have to do. And I'm like, I'll listen to whatever you have to say. Because I, I mean, I was overweight. I was in terrible shape. Uh, everything hurt. You know, I couldn't move. And so he had me lifting weights at home. And I thought, man, that's an awful lot of weight to lift, especially if I just tore my arm muscle in ballet class. That seems like a lot. But he's, no, 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 this is what you have to do to lose weight and get in shape. And I said, okay. And then he told me, and I had to simply eat a lot more and take in a lot more calories to lose weight. <laughs> wow, that's interesting. So I sat there and I scratched my head for a moment. And then finally I looked at him and I said, this is just a guess. But I'll bet you've never been a woman over 40. And <laughs> So what's different about our bodies as women over 40 that we have to tune into? Obviously, our metabolism does change. Right. But that's okay because mm -hmm. there's a way to boost your metabolism by making, you know, dietary changes. And, I, you know, I'm not going to go into that because it's really easy. You have to be careful, though, not to go for the fats. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of, you know, stuff out there that really isn't accurate and really not helpful. But again, a way of listening to your body and what it needs. And what I would recommend just right away is the physical aspect of it, the, the part of moving. And even instead of thinking, I'm going to exercise, think I'm going to move more. Mm -hmm. And you can put little bits of movement into your day that might surprise you. And those little bits and those few times of movement, the five minutes here, the five minutes there, and you do that off and on all day long, that adds up. And you'll get a lot more benefit from that than going to the gym for an hour three times a week. Nice. I like that. I like yeah, that. It's, go ahead. It's, I think what, uh, one of the things that when I go, end up going to yoga or something, I, one of the mind things that I shifted for myself was to say, I get to go to yoga. This is Absolutely. a gift to myself versus I have to go to yoga. Exactly. And it, it is those sorts of things that if you can just shift that, that mindset with, with a different way of looking at it. But then I also love this, this doing things on a, you know, incremental base all day long where you're, you're creating movement. How can I move just a little bit more? And you could even do, since you love your yoga so much, I'm sure there are a couple of yoga moves or yoga poses that are your favorites, and you could even just shift into those a few times during the day. So yoga doesn't necessarily mean do it in the studio. Right. You know, you transition that into uh, your whole life, your life movement. Oh, good. I like that. So yeah. what other things do you incorporate into, um, what are some of the, the, the found foundation pieces of your program that you teach in your book? The other one, and this usually surprises people, is uh, martial arts. Ah, yes, that I, makes a lot of sense because there's it's it's a lot of that same controlled movement. Absolutely, and martial arts people think that you know martial arts is about oh warfare and fighting and competition, and that's not true. That's not how martial arts. You know, that's not the, the basis of it or the principles of it. It's really about movement and it's really about survival. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I do have, I think people are a little surprised to discover that I am a second degree black belt. 
which is very cool, by the way. Thank you. I think so. Um, but the principles are basically the same. How to be able to move, how to be able to uh, shift your weight, how to be able to, this is really important, how to be able to get out of the way of an attack. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't just mean physical attacks, because as we know, as we mature, life is full of hits. Mm. And to be able to see it coming and to shift out of the way, even if it's a verbal attack, a you know emotional, psychological attack. Yeah, that was what, what was just came on, coming up for me, is if we start to feel that emotional shift within ourselves, if we can foresee that coming and move with that, is that what you're suggesting? Exactly. And there are a couple of ways. You can either move out of the way or if, oops, I'm still in the way, there's a way of flowing through it so you don't get knocked down. Even better. Even better. Yeah. I like yeah. that because so, it's, 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 it's not a, a, avoiding it then. It's just actually recognizing that it's there and then moving through it. I like that a lot. Absolutely. It is something that I had to struggle with for so long in my life called acceptance. Right. So it's like you accept that this is coming and you just find a way to either move or flow out of it or with it. Or my personal favorite is to be able to use your attacker's energy and turn it I don't want to say against them, but turn it toward them. Okay, interesting. So it's a way of deflecting. So you're, you're you know, tuning into what energy is coming at you and exactly. being able to physically move that energy. Exactly. It's, it's really fascinating to me because I, as I mentioned in my retreats that I do with the horses, there is so much work that we are doing with people and their bodies somatically. It's like, mm-hmm. what, what do you, what are you feeling? Where, what are you, you know, that awareness piece yes. that comes first and then tuning into the energies around you. And it's so powerful when we can start to feel that and experience it and be in it and how we can make decisions on what we do. And, and very often there is something from a physical movement perspective that I ask my clients to do, move your arms, put your arms up in the air, move your hips, move, you know, where, wherever I sense that there is that stuck yes. piece yes. is looking for that, that movement. So it, I can t- totally relate to what you're saying here. And it's a beautiful thing. And to watch people change, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So you went through all of those big changes and you, and you saw that, an experience that some, this all needed to shift and this is how your work was founded. Exactly, exactly. So I use the principles of Pilates, Feldenkrais, dance, and martial arts to help my clients over right. the years, you know, recover from pain, injuries, and just to be able to get into shape and just to be able to move and to do the things that they want to do. It, yeah, I've worked with people from professional dancers, other martial artists, uh, athletes, all the way to people who could barely get out of a chair. Right, right. You know, so, and it's just every, everyone in between. And so the foundations of this are really about movement. So it's, 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 if you had a single message to share with the world, what would it be? Start moving and stay moving. Okay. Okay. And are there some... Um, tips that, I mean, just on, you've given us a couple of tips already that consistent movement throughout the day, little bits. Are there any other pieces that you would suggest to the audience that helps them keep and stay moving? Again, just uh, do what you love. So, and, and, and understand your personality. Do you like to do things in a group? Do you Mm. like to do things 
you know, in a solitary way, a more meditative type of style. I'm a very social person. I love going to ballet and, and martial arts and places where I can share a passion with somebody. And I like the interaction with my friends. And I have an entirely huge group and different personalities or different populations that I associate with. And it's wonderful. And I love that. So that's what feeds my soul. And that's what sometimes says, go to class because you want to see this person or that person. And we kind of support each other and cheer each other on. And as far as my ballet friends, my goodness, I've been friends with some of them for 30 years. Nice. And I know, and we've supported each other through all of life's trials, tribulations, celebrations, and it's a beautiful thing. So that's, but if you're somebody who really prefers being one-on-one -on -one or alone, getting up into the mountains or walking and just try a variety of different things and see what really makes you feel good. What makes your heart sing or what makes your, what fills your heart with joy. Yeah. And yeah. that's what you need to do. And if, if, doing some form of exercise or a class is about as appealing as a root canal. You probably might not find something different. Find right. something different. Right. There's so many wonderful things yeah. out there and different movement modalities that you can experience and have fun. And you can even look at the local why, you know, it doesn't have to be a very expensive studio, but there's a lot of different things that you can do. Yes. So I would encourage people to try whatever they want. And if it works great, if it doesn't drop it, find something else. Okay. And so you just launched your book and, and having come out with your book, um, with your voice, I mean, it, it's, it takes a lot of courage, right? To step oh, up yes. with a book. I totally get the courage I, it has to come for. So talk to I me a little bit do. about, <laughs> talk to me a little bit about, um, you know, any, self-doubt that you might have had, fear, uncertainty that came through that process of taking your voice out to the world to being heard in a bigger way. What's, what's that journey been like for you? Absolutely terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How's that for succinct? <laughs> yeah. So, and and, how, and how, did it, how did you move through that? I just, I'm stubborn. And, you know, I think that's my saving grace in a lot of ways. So I just kind of kept moving through it kind of slowly. And as you know, when you're writing a, a, your stories or you're trying to write a book, it sometimes starts to take a life, take on a life of its own. And when I first started, it was just an outline. And then I would fill it in a little bit more, a little bit more. And then I would just have to step away from the computer and take a break, sometimes even for months at a time. Mm -hmm. And I then, too. It, yeah, so you understand. And then it would draw you back when the timing was right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, if but I tell you, when it got toward the end, and I thought, oh, my goodness, this is going to be out for the world to see. This is real. Uh, this, this is real, and there's no going back. Right. And that was really tough. That was, there, were, there were some moments of, oh, my goodness, do I really want to put myself out like that? Yeah. And finally, I think what helped me with that actually was my martial arts training. Ooh. So what, what, what came from that that helped with that? One thing that my sensei always used to tell me is he said, you know, I mean, he and I worked together. We had a very good relationship, very close relationship. And, you know, he took me under his wing and he would say to me, you know, when I would get fearful or, or whatever, he would say, look, if they want you, let them come and get you. And he would say, you know, you want me? 
come get me. And I thought, oh, I don't think I could wrap my head around that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it doesn't sound very good. And then it was like, you know, you're right. I'm just going to put myself out there. And if it resonates with people, that's fantastic. If it doesn't, that's okay too. Right. But right. here I am. You want me? You got me. There you go. I like and it. Come and get me. <laughs> and, and, and I think what's great about that is for us all to know that we don't always resonate with everyone, whatever we're putting out, whatever our gifts are that we're putting out into the world. We're not going to resonate with every single person. But if you're being true to who you are and right. what you stand for and what your story and what your journey has been, it, you are going to be drawing the people to you that, that you're going to connect with. Absolutely. And the people who need my message are going to hear my message. Exactly. And the ones that don't will say, hey, that's great. And they'll move on. And, and that's fine. And it's not in our line of work, both mine and yours, we're not meant to work with every single person. No one is, right? No one is. Exactly. And why would, why would we want to? So, mm -hmm. you know, we want to really be able to uh, connect with the people who resonate with our message. Yes, absolutely. So what three pearls of wisdom can you leave our audience with today? Okay, I think the first one and the one that is the most important is to surround yourself with positive people. Mm, I so believe in that. Yep. I've had that conversation with my son this week. Oh, excellent, <laughs> excellent. You know, it's, it's that, that top five people that we spend time with. It's, it's, it's knowing that um, we uplift each other. And on the... Other flip, the flip side of it is that if you're around someone who's negative, boy, they can bring you down faster than, you know, a, a thinking stone. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, and the positive people in your life, once yeah, they do, they lift you up and even you become more positive and you right. see the, the possibilities out there. Right. Okay. So that's a great one. Number two. Uh -huh. This is my favorite. Well, I just said the first one, that was most important, but this is my favorite. <laughs> Create a drama-free life for yourself. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. And do you know when this really came to my, uh, the, the front of my attention was actually this morning ah. when I realized how well things were going and, you know, I was just so happy. I felt so light and just, and I re realized, oh my gosh, I got rid of all the drama. Yeah. It's a choice we get to make, isn't it? It really is. But a lot of people don't understand that. And I didn't understand that years ago, but I do now. Mm -hmm. yeah, so that one I think is really, that's probably my favorite. That's good. And then the third one, oh my gosh, I think this is one of my favorites too. So I don't know. They're all important. But this one is really speaks to my heart. Believe in yourself and all things are possible. Yes, that's so true. And if you can see it, if you believe it, you can become it and you can do it. Yes. Those are fabulous. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, well, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. You bet. And where can our, where can our audience learn more about you and your work and your book? Well, I do have a website, foreverfitandflexible.com. Okay. And you can also go to my main website, which is Cheryl I Love. Dot com. And remember, there's no E on the end of I love. So it's I L O V dot com. Correct. Awesome. And Sh Cheryl with a C. Yes. Yes. 
Well, it's been a pleasure. I appreciate all your great wisdom, appreciate your stories and all the great advice that you've given us to, to keep moving and to move on a regular basis. I, I'm going to be thinking more about that, certainly, as I move through my day today to keep moving and, and to, to, you know, even even in the little incremental spots. I think that's yeah. the beauty of that. Is and remember, that do. every movement counts. Ooh, yes. I like that. Okay. Thank you, Cheryl, so much. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It has been a pleasure. Yes. Have a great day. The same to you. Bye. Bye. I hope you liked this episode of Extraordinary Women Radio. If you did, please share this podcast with your own special tribe of women and help spread the love, the dreams, and the inspiration. Are you thinking about making the next bold move in your life? I invite you to take the Your Next Bold Move quiz at CammyGilman.com to find out how you can jumpstart a passionate and meaningful next chapter. You may also enjoy my book, Fire Dancer, Your Spiral Journey to a Life of Passion and Purpose, which is available on Amazon. In Fire Dancer, you will become intimately connected to your heart's calling and build the courage and resiliency to ignite your what's next. I'd love to hear from you on any of my social media channels. I'm on both Facebook and Twitter, and the links are available on my website. Till next time, my friend, listen to your heart, follow your dreams, and be you.